0: Okay, this morning I'm going to be reading from um, Corinthians and, uh, and also we're going to, we're going to go to uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, uh, I believe. But just to give a background of the, uh, of the preaching w- with Paul and, and where he did it was in Corinth, it was in the city of Corinth. And Corinth was, at one point, it was a very wealthful commercial center a lot of business from all over the world was was happening and it was situated in what this narrow place was called isthmus and what it did was it connected the mainland of greece and so we can see some of this this influence here now the history of that city can be divided into two parts the city which was and we won't get into any of these details this morning, but there was this, this thing called Jason's Argo, which was constructed there. It was this whole idol thing. And, but it was destroyed. That, that city that city of, of Corinth, at one particular time in its first uh, existence, it was destroyed by a Roman uh, consul. His name was Lucius Miminus Achaicus. Achaicus. That was about in 146 B.C. when that happened. I'm just going to give us a background of this whole city of Corinth. And so that ended, really, that first chapter, the first part of its history of, of Corinth. And so, but also, because it was so favorably located geographically, because of that, because of that, that particular thing, then the city was resurrected in about 46 B.C. So in approximately 46 B.C., that that was made, again, reconstructed into a city, and it was constructed by Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, and it was given the status of a Roman colony, which means it would would be now protected. One thing we need to remember, (coughs) how God... Uses things if we understand Genesis 50 in verse 20 where it says that that uh, the enemy or anyone functioning under the enemy Means things for evil, but God means them for good now the evil of the Roman Empire Was to conquer they wanted to conquer and rule the whole world and we know that's only going to happen during Jesus Christ's Millennial reign. It's the only time that's going to happen it hasn't happened uh, since the fall and it never really even began to happen as a result of of that fall. but here Caesar Julius Caesar gave it the title of and the status of a Roman colony, and, and again, its importance became back again. and so, in this sense, it was the leading city of Greece. It became the leading city of Greece. Now, it's very interesting. the Romans, when they would conquer certain areas as they, as they would conquer these certain areas they would construct all of these roads all the different roads would would be would be constructed uh, by rome and and by the soldiers and those that were protected by them now these roads would be policed uh, by these uh, by the roman army and roman and roman guards this opened up these roads for Paul to travel and spread the gospel. The enemy meant it for evil. But God Himself meant it for good. So this Corinth at this particular time in 46 BC under Julius Caesar became became what? It became this very influential city, a hub of commerce. And you know, commerce it has to do with money. We know that in Matthew 6, verse 24, you can't serve God who is love, and mammon, which is money. We know that based upon First Timothy 6, 9, many get pierced through with many sorrows when money becomes their God and not God himself. In other words, anything that replaces God in any measure, in terms of commerce, it's, it's what is it? It's a form of evil is what it amounts to. In this particular sense, here, became this place of unbelievable commerce from anywhere in in any direction from the north to the south to the east and to the west it had that kind of an influence and it had a mixed popular uh, a mixed population there were many romans many greeks and many orientals because where everyone would do business they would do all of this business there because it was such a huge place in 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 greece under Roman rule and so we see here became this very strategic center and in fact it was called, a lot of it in in history, in church history, they called it the Empire in miniature like the Roman Empire in miniature. We see that very clearly and so they reduced it down to a single state. Well, this effect we see because for the, we see again what God how God just just overrules man over overrules evil and still brings in his incredible grace because that the reason why the bible the holy spirit God the holy spirit chose the bible to be written the new testament in the koine greek it was because all of romans right eh, greeks and all these orientals from all over the place how could they do business in a language of which each spoke that they couldn't understand? So they had to learn enough of a language so that they could, could exchange in business. That's the Koine Greek. And that's the, what was written. That's what God, the Holy Spirit, chose. To even get that word out so that they could eat, at least have more than enough to know God through the word, the Koine Greek New Testament and to know Christ and to know Christ as their Savior. So here we see this here and it's an amazing thing to be to be understanding. Tomorrow we'll really get into this in in very specific detail but we're just going to kind of skirt the thing so that we can have an understanding uh, so that we can just receive enough so that we can have that uh, this morning. Now It's very interesting. It's very interesting here. We know that in Acts 18, verse 5, it says that Paul was constrained by the word to be in Corinth. That's why when we understand and we, when we understand certain things about it, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, Paul said, a great and effectual door is opened unto me. And that's the preaching of Christ through the word by the power of the Holy Spirit. But then he said, there are many adversaries. Many, many adversaries, he said. So we know that through the preaching and teaching of the word of God, If the love of God is going to be manifested by the light of the word that Christ is by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be opposition. Now we all can experience that in our lives and we all do. When the love of God comes in and shines that light and that light that understanding, experiential understanding, not just the declarative knowledge. When we understand that through submission and have been given the grace to make that adjustment from just knowing in, in a very uh, shallow way, but a very experiential way, it brings us it brings us into the love of God, the love that God loves us with. And this is very, very key. But when that happens, there's going to be there's going to be great opposition, a tremendous amount of of opposition because of that. So you can know then, you can know then that in spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, 10 uh, to 18, you can know and we can all know that the reason for that spiritual warfare and that opposition is because the love of God for us and for each other is shining through the light the Word that His Son is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, there's going to be intense opposition. But that is not a sign that God is not for us. It is an absolute sign in Psalm 56 and verse 9 and in Romans 8 and verse 31. It's a sign that God is for us because wherever God is for us in His love through the purity of his nature, which which is light. There's going to be intense opposition, just like it started in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 and verses 1 through 6. But here, getting back to Corinth, we can see that he was constrained there. And where did God open this door? Where, what, where did God consider the ground to be fertile for the gospel preaching of Christ and those truths about the person that Christ is and the work that he himself alone has accomplished. It was right here in Corinth. What was it like? What was it like? Well, in that city, in that old city, again, and that was destroyed, but in that old city was called, and what was contained there was the Temple of Aphrodite, That was a temple there. Listen to this. It's where 1,000 so-called sacred prostitutes were made available to every cultist, to every single one. Now, we know that physical fornication and adultery is a result of a spiritual fornication and an adultery first. First and foremost. That's why in James 4.4, where all all the trouble every single thing that is outside the love and light of God himself through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is going to be all kinds of disturbances, wars, all kinds of fightings. The reason is, is when it says that in James four four, it doesn't say adulteresses and adulterers. It's only adulteresses. It's only that. That's all that you and I could be. That's all that we could be in our flesh, outside of functioning in Christ. It's like we go out on our husband, our head, and that's Christ. Here, here, there was this famous, famous so-called, infamous is more like it, Temple of Aphrodite. Ma- imagine that. Thousands, thousands of prostitutes were offered to those that would be, a cult. in other words, those that would worship these demon gods behind these idols. And this is where the gospel came in. This is where where the Holy Spirit uh, sent Paul. And that same spirit in the second rebuilt city, that same spirit prevailed in that new city. They even gave it a sexually slanted proverb. It says, it is not given to everyone to visit Corinth. It was not going to be given for every single person to visit Corinth. Now, that Greek word for Corinth literally means to act the Corinthian, to act like a Corinthian. And this is what it came to mean, this word, to practice fornication. Every Greek, listen, every Greek, listen, they knew what a Corinthian girl meant, which is that's they looked at them as objects. That's the only way they knew them. It's the only way they knew those that were created in God's image in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And in Genesis chapter 5, 1 and 2, he created them male and female. And all these males under the enemy only saw women, even young girls, they saw them as as women that were mature, as sexual objects to be desired through lust, or even girls, but young girls potentially becoming that. That's this whole city. And God sent the Apostle Paul there. He sent them there. Corinth was a city noted for everything depraved, everything that was dissolute, and everything that was debauched. Everything. But what a providence, and providence means God's providing. It was a providence that Paul was in Corinth when he was writing, listen to this, the epistle to the Romans. Think of it, the truth. And when you read Romans chapter 1 and you look at verse 18 to 32, you know when he wrote that, he's viewing He's an eyewitness to what's going on in Corinth. You know, honestly, that's the world system. That is the whole world system. You can see it in Genesis chapter 4, verses 16 to 32. That's why it says in 1 John 2 and verse 15, love not the world. Is it, it Can I have function in who God is, love, and go after the world? Answer, no. Love not the world. Look, I... Is, is crystal clear as God can make it. Not a single thing about this world, its music, its beats, its dress, no matter what, is not of God. Not a single thing in this world system is not of God. Not one single thing. Not one single thing. Seriously. Truthfully, we can be a friend to others, but they are not our friend in terms of exchanging any kind of a relationship because there is no proper relationship outside of who God is. God is love, and the light of the scriptures makes that very clear. That's why it says in 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Listen, can I have love for God and make the things of the world to be an issue in my life in place of him and still say that I love him? Can any of us, any of us? There's not a single thing. You know, that's why it says, again, in Matthew, the sixth chapter, look at verse, start in verse 19 and go to verse 34. Anything that has precedence over God himself and what he's leading it's not of his love and it's not of the light of the scriptures. And there it's the details of life. Everything about it there speaks of the details of life. And when it's details of life, you know for a fact what does it involve. It involves, again, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't do it. But when you put him first, oh boy, will he take care of the other. And boy, we have, all of us can attest to that. When we put him first, when we thought of him, when he had first place, and remember, as the Bible teaches us, God wants way more than first place in our life. He has that by virtue of who he is. He wants every place. He wants every single place. If not, it's going to be some form of loving the world. All the while, while I declare Love for God. And the fact of the matter is, in 1 John 3 18, it says, love not in word. That's declarative knowledge. A Christian can declare it all day long. Love not in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That has to do with our conduct. Our conduct is brought out, and we our conduct is brought out and, and given to us based upon the love that God is. Because it's that light that's our character. That brings us into a love life. But if I don't have the light and don't function in the character of light, which is what is mind in Christ, made completely by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, that brings out the reality that I'm walking in the light and not walking in the world in some other form. 1 John 1, 7, walk in the light as he is in the light. When I walk in the light, I'm always under the influence of God's love and it is his love that protects me from the world in every single instance, every single instance. It always speaks of God protecting us and loving us. Now this city here, again, as we as was brought out in church history brings this out clearly. That Corinth at that time was noted for every single thing that was depraved, dissolute, and debauched. That's why Paul could write, and that's where he wrote the book of Romans, and all that truth. He wrote it right from Corinth, right in the middle of it. Because there was no more incentive to bring out the sin of man from no other city could it have been more of an apt illustration of that world system. You know, again it says in Genesis 4 and verse 16, it says, Cain went out from the presence of God. and who is God? There's two things that we've described, that the, and we say we because the Bible, through the power of the Holy Spirit, teaches us through the Word that God is love in 1 John 4, 8 and 16. He's, he's light in John 1, 5. The whole message of fellowship between Christians is 1 John 1, 5. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. There's no secrets. There's no suspicion. There's none of those things. There's no irritation. And so here, he writes it right from that epistle. Do you know what the epistle, first and foremost, the epistle, the first epistle of Corinthians, you know what it teaches us? It teaches us sanctification. You know what sanctification is? We teach, you know, it's taught in the Bible. It's really one thing that functions properly. But when the moment that we receive Christ as our our Savior, we were justified, cleared of all guilt and condemnation. But instantly, instantly we were sanctified. Sanctification means to be set apart from something into something. We were set apart from the old. Listen to this. Every single thing about the old and how it functioned in the world. Every single thing that took priority over Christ has now been reversed in us to experience the light of God's love. And without that light, there's no love, no experiential love. So that first epistle was sanctification. Sanctification means we were positioned instantly in him. Now... Now that we are in Christ, and we can see this in the epistles, especially in Ephesians and Colossians all the way down through, in those particular epistles, even in, in Romans in its, in its uh, beginning stages, sanctification is, God, is this. God is making us to become, in our present experience, on earth, in time, what he already made me to be, an eternity past, in my position in Christ. So there's a constant separating going on based upon our position. And that's called progressive sanctification. And progressive sanctification is growing in grace and then the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, grace, it it doesn't leave a single thing. There's no anything of the natural old man in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. There's nothing of the old man in the grace, that, in truth, that Christ is. Because that's what it says. We grow in grace. That's progressive sanctification. We are growing. In our position, we're growing in our experience based upon our position. And we've been positioned through Christ the light into this love life relationship, this love life relationship in Christ by God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where, this is what the epistle of the of Corinth is teaching us. It's teaching us sanctification. He has to constantly, and, and, and the prayer, prayer many times here through many people is renew us. Renew us in your love. Ephesians 4, verse 23. Renew us in your love. And that's what God's doing this morning. But to do so, the word, the light of the word must come in. And when it's received in the humility and, and that Adjustment of grace that grace can only give us. What does it take out? What Light always overwhelms darkness. Darkness is any area that we function in the world, even through ignorance or through outright pride and stubbornness in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 23. Right here is where this happened, is where this gospel came right in and is still, still to this day, still that is what's going on. That is what's going on. Again, tomorrow, tomorrow, and and tomorrow, and I'm going to read some other scriptures here, but tomorrow I really want to get into this in specific detail. But here, when, when we see this, and we see all the problems, you see every single problem, every single struggle, is a result of not experiencing what? His love, because what must be, what must have been not known or refused. It's his light. Many times we have said and been taught that the active energy of God's nature is love. The purity of his nature is light. And light is that element that refuses to be mixed with a single thing. With one single thing. It cannot be mixed and will not be mixed with any other thing. But here... Where, where are all of our problems solved? Where are all divisions and difficulties and lack of forgiveness? Where is it all brought to? And this is what, it, what it's brought to. Because it's even brought out in 1 Corinthians the 8th chapter. And I'll read 1 Corinthians the 8th chapter. And then possibly, and I, and I believe so, tomorrow... Tomorrow we will get into the details of this and and how necessary it is for us to be able to be able to receive these things and to really be able to concentrate on them and give ourselves over to the word and the word alone as they're coming. Because if not, we're not going to be able to receive them. We will not be able to receive them. But in 1 Corinthians, the eighth chapter in verse 1, it says this. Now it's touching. Things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But agape love, self-sacrificial love, the love that God is, is that that builds up. And that's what's brought out here. Love is the only thing that builds up. What What conquers evil? What is it that conquers evil? It's God's love. What if I don't know what God's like? How do I, what, what, what does God use to make himself known to you and I in his love? It is, he's called his light. And that's Jesus Christ. He came out. He came out. In, in terms of being born in humanity with his true deity in that humanity, never separated at any time, Ever. We see that clearly based upon Luke 1 and verse 35. We see it very, very clearly brought out there that, it, that he came out of that love-life relationships in terms of his humanity, never left it in terms of his deity. You can't separate God from God. But he came out and put on humanity still in the bosom of the Father, that whole pond, that place of the most, most highest height and depth of intimacy. Christ came out as that light. That light, when we understand the Scriptures, when we receive it the way that we should, when we hear it properly and we receive it properly, it brings us right back into what kind of a life? A love life. A life where we're just constantly loved. Constantly. Should anything replace that? Should one single thing ever take precedence over that? Never. Not one single thing. Matter of fact, matter of fact, when we give ourselves over to God in prayer in Acts 6, verse 4, He, when we give Him that, then everything else will fall into place first. But seek you first what? Then Matthew 6, verse 33. What does that mean? When I seek first His kingdom, His kingdom is built upon His love, and that light brings us back into that relationship constantly. It's a relationship of amazing intimacy. It keeps me, it keeps out all anxiety. Do you see, in every single thing that we do, it's either going to be fear and anxiety that leads us to do it, or the love of God through the light of the Scriptures. It's one or the other. There's no fear in love. And 1 John 4 and verse 18. Now, as we wrap this up this morning, what we see here is, is that it is love that builds up. There were many in Corinth, that were trying to make an issue a very weak a weak Christian meant that they were born again but they were weak in terms of not understanding the word of God now there were others here in Corinth that had a declarative knowledge but when it's not experiential you'll use that knowledge to judge others that's what they were doing here they were judging these weak Christians and condemning them for eating the offerings that were left over, which was perfectly okay, that were offered unto idols, and then there was that that was left over and sold in the market meat, and they would purchase it, and they were being condemned <laughs> by these who were not functioning in the light of god's love that's what declarative knowledge you know I know so many, and I had to and I'm still growing in this myself but especially some young people in certain areas, man, they can declare that word, but they don't experience it. They don't experience that love life. They have a declarative knowledge, but all that knowledge will be used by the enemy is first before I judge someone else, I have to be (laughs) self-judged. The enemy can judge me and I'll try and cover and do away and then it still will be in effect to judge others. It will still be that way. But what, is, what builds up love? Not charity. It's never in the original. It's love, agape, self-sacrificial love. Now, not every single Christian, especially weak young ones, didn't have the proper experiential knowledge of that one God and that one Lord. And so their conscience, their conscience under legalism and so forth, would cause them to be condemned. But you know what? What does away with Who did away with all that condemnation and that guilt? Isn't it Christ? Yeah. He's that light that came out with this love relationship as God. That's why the Bible teaches us we're we're never called children of love. We are loved. But love is of God. It's constituted of who he is. But we are children of light. We are the children of light in Ephesians 5. Five, 6 and 7, and in Ephesians 5 and verse 8 to 13, and we're going to see that tomorrow in a very, very, very clear, precise way. But what is the thing that God does? Listen, here's what it says, and we're going to close again very quickly here. Now, it's in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, now it's touching things offered unto idols. We all know that we have knowledge. But knowledge puffs up. That's what knowledge, declarative knowledge, without the light of God's love, it just puffs me up. It puffs any of us up. That's what the flesh is, by the way, in us that we're not of in Romans 8, 9, that we can go right back to in a heartbeat. God forbid, right? And his love does so. Now, if any man think that he knows anything, apart from love, apart from light, apart from these particular things, if he thinks he knows anything, he knows what? Nothing yet as he ought to know. He knows nothing. Now, without love, what is it? What is it? If I don't have love, what do I have in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 2? Nothing. What were idols considered to be? They're considered to be nothings. The Hebrews called those idols ill illums, nothings. Nothings, no value in it. They were called further, I believe it's Deuteronomy 29 and verse 17 and 18, they were, they were called, these idols were called dungy gods. Is there any value in dung? Is there any nutrition in it? That's why Paul said, everything about my life prior to Christ and all my declarative knowledge was just a pile of dung in Philippians 3 and verse 8. That's why he said that. And that's what he considered it to be. He, he, he didn't. And of course the enemy wants to constantly have us to consider in our present understanding what we were no longer to make it to make us relive it and he can do that when he gets us to function in sin and to be separated remember remember the holy spirit takes the things of christ in john 16 13 and 14 and shows them unto us and there's got to be the separation from us the flesh that's still in us from the Spirit revealing who we are in Christ. And this is brought out in Hebrews four and verse twelve. But what did what is it here? What does it say? But if any man in in, in 1 Corinthians eight three, if any man love God, the same is known of him. What does that mean? Well, this is this is first John four ten. Herein is love. And who is love? God. Herein is God. Love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, we love in 1 John 4:19 because he what? First loved us. What brought in the knowledge of that first love? The purity of his nature was the light of the preaching of Christ. That's what brought it out. We're going to see this in a very precise way uh, tomorrow. Now, that's what explains uh, 1 Corinthians 8, 3, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. Now it's concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offer, offered in sacrifice unto idols. We know that an idol is what? Look at what it says. It's an ill illum. It's nothing. It's nothing. In the world. Is there any value Is there anything that the enemy would take, the things of the world, and maybe those things even in themselves are not bad, but if the enemy can use those things to separate us, what do they become? An idol, and what is the value? What's the profit in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 3? It's called nothing. If I have not love, I am what? Nothing. Do you know how many times the enemy tries to convince you and I that you're nothing? You know the only place he can do that is in the flesh? That's That's what's brought out in Romans 8 verse 4 we have a choice the flesh or who we are in Christ through the power of the holy spirit through through hum, a humbled broken submissive will to re- constantly receive without any interruption who Christ is in us and who we are in him in this love life that's brought out with the purity of the light of who he is and this is what it says here in the world and that there is none other god but one There are all kinds of gods. And you know behind an idol is a demon, and and small g means demons. That's what's behind an idol, by the way. You get me occupied with something else? Like we've said before, what is fear? In 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us what kind of spirit? A spirit of fear. What is fear? It's a spirit. But of power and love and a very well-disciplined mind through the light of the knowledge of who Christ is. This is again in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. But, again, here's what it says as we begin again to wrap this up. For though, for though in 1 Corinthians 8, 5, for though there be that are, that are called gods, all these gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there, as there be gods many, listen to this, many, and lords many, lords, those that exercise authority and power over us, when we aren't submitted to his love through the light of the scriptures, what else can affect us? That's right. We can be affected in, in our experience. Never touched in our position in 1 John five eighteen b Our position in Christ is fixed and eternal, can't be touched. That's where the enemy goes after my experience. And when my experience is not the equal of my position, what does that reveal? It reveals that I'm being, that another authority other than his love in Revelations 2, 4-6 has come in and become my authority. Lords many, 1 Corinthians 8-6 but to us, listen to this but to us there is but one God and who is he to us? He's our Father. John 20, 17, Romans 8-15 Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He's our Father, of whom, listen to this, of whom are all things. And we in him and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Everything about us is by him, Christ. Howbeit, there is not in every man that knowledge. Oh boy. There's not in every Christian this knowledge. And when it's not that knowledge, this one knowledge, the one God, the one Father, the one Christ, the one Holy Spirit, no wonder it says in 1 John 4, 1, try the spirits whether they be of God or not. Many Christians are led astray with very bad, false teaching or no teaching, not enough counsel or the, the lack of the submission of a will to know what's right. And in James 4, verse 17, to him that knows to do good and does it not receive it, meaning, it, to him it is what? It is sin. But here, here it says this, how be it, in 1 Corinthians 8, 7, there is not in every man that knowledge. For for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commends us not to God, meaning it's not the lack of the pure meat that causes the defilement. It's what happens spiritually. It's what happens inwardly. You see, the Pharisees, they were only concerned with one thing, an outward show. But you know what Jesus said? They were, they were like a whited sepulcher, really white, but inside they were full of what? Dead men's bones. You see that in Matthew, the 23rd chapter. That knowledge. <coughs> but God, but meat commends us not to God. For neither if we eat, are we the better. Neither if we eat not, are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this freedom, this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that were weak. And that's what these, these guys were doing here, these fleshly Corinthians, and using their gifts to do it. And remember, God always, he gives us gifts not to exalt us in the flesh, but to humble us in his presence, to humble us. And so it is what, it is what, what takes care of a defiled conscience in and, and Titus 1 and verse 15. We, uh, do we have a cleansed conscience positionally in Hebrews 10, 1 and 2, based upon 10, 10 of Hebrews and 10, 14? Absolutely. But is my experience, is my conscience and my experience cleansed? The only thing that can take care of that is God's love, which is revealed through the light of the scriptures in his specific counsel for us. And that word commends, and he commends, where it says here that to commend, when we're commended, it literally means commended is to be brought near. And God, through his light, listen, through the light, brings us near to who God is and his love for us. Now we have a choice to make. What What are the options for the Christian? Knowingly or unknowingly? Ignorantly or rebelliously or known? It is what? It's either the flesh or it's Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's one or the other. You cannot have both. Because light is that element, the purity of God's nature which was love, Christ came out as the light. And you can't mix anything with him. And God never gives us grace to live in sin. I don't know why we think that at times, which is a lie. God never gives us grace to live in known disobedience ever. There may be ignorance, but when the light comes on and then we, we actually see it and, and know it, because it is, it is light that discovers, we know that in Ephesians 5 and verse 13, it is light that discovers everything. That's why certain men don't want to come to the light in John 3, 18 to 21. They don't want to come to the light because the deeds are evil. They'd rather function in evil deeds than come to the light and have those exposed. Fact of the matter is, it's his love that commands. It's, his, it's his, this light that brings us to his love where we can make that choice. It is the clean heart, the clean mind and emotions, and not clean food that will matter. They were making the opposite to be the matter simply because they wanted control over these believers and didn't want, in their ignorance and pride, didn't want Christ to be in control of them as he wasn't even in control of them experientially. It's not not clean food that matters. And what happens with Christians as they, when you're weak, and a weak brother is one who's untaught. They're untaught, so they continually live in weakness, and the enemy continually takes advantage of it and brings out what? Confusion. Confusion in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33. Is there any, confu- is there any confusion when we function in his nature, which is love? It's just not. But it's his light that brings us there. It's his light that brings us there. And thank God for that love and for that light. So, Father, we thank you this this morning for this truth, these truths that are ours in Christ that have been made ours. And, Father, we just thank you and praise you uh, uh, just so much for your love, who you are in your own nature, character and essence, that controls all of your attributes. And thank you for the light that Jesus is. And thank you that we are made children of the light. We've been called out of darkness positionally. In every single area, Christ has dealt with it positionally. And he's working it into our experience. We've been, we, he has taken us out of darkness and brought us into his unbelievable, marvelous, intimate, beautiful light that reveals a knowledge, a love life that nothing can disturb or distract. We just thank you for these truths, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, that uh, each of us have this. It's already ours in Christ. It's nothing we deserve, nothing we can earn, nothing we can merit. We just, we have received it when we received Christ. And now he's working that in to our experience, to to his glorification and to our blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.